in the book of, uh, I mean, by the Philistine warriors, and they recognized him as this guy who had slain Goliath uh, years before, and they'd heard talk about this, David, because uh, they heard people saying that Saul had killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands, and so this guy's a real threat to us Philistines, so here, Achish, you need to deal with this guy. And so David had this idea that I'm going to get out of this, uh, I, I really think this is what I would do, and so he's going to act insane. And he starts to scribble on the walls, and he just starts to act all uh, like he's mad. And you know, it actually works. Uh, King Achish sees his behavior and says, okay, uh, this man doesn't appear to be any threat, and so he lets him go. And the psalm that we're going to look at today in our message called The Prayer of Deliverance is Psalm 34, which is a response to this event in David's life where God had mercy on him gave him the idea, used it to allow his freedom and spare his life. It says in the opening of the psalm, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 34. It says, a psalm of David when he feigned madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Abimelech is kind of a title, king title uh, for the king and his name Achish. Actually, Psalm 34 is also an acrostic. Um, any Hebrew scholars here today? An acrostic is uh, where each verse starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's kind of like a work of art. It's poetry. It's like a hymn. It's a creation of art that portrays and speaks to us this beautiful message. You know, there's so many of these psalms that just have such value just to read them and let them wash over us. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I just want to read psalms. I want to read a psalm to just let it minister its impact into my heart and my soul. And what I want to do here today, I'm going to look at specific parts of Psalm 34, but I want to read the psalm over us today. 22 verses. I want it to minister to you at your point of need, where God may be wanting to say something specific through a phrase of this psalm, but it's a psalm of ministry. Let it minister to you. It says this, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous 
and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And amen. In our 40 days of prayer journey, today is day eight. And if you've not received a prayer guide, please pick one up today. There's some available out there and just kind of jump in with us. We're all praying about the same thing every single day. And I hope you can set aside some time every day to join with the church and pray for the specific requests in the book. Today's message, today's message is the prayer of deliverance. So the opening question is, who needs deliverance today? You know, I asked that question in the first service, and I meant it to be rhetorical. And whew, All these hands went up. I guess there's just something about the culture in which we live that just leaves people stressed out, burned up. Worried, fearful, depressed, confused, apathetic. See, deliverance is for the person that feels bound in some way. Not free. It's a rescue. It's, it's a salvation from some kind of harm. And people who need to be delivered, are, are, here's, here's, a, here's a list, people who are sinful or Sad, hurt, bitter, controlled, angry, frustrated, selfish, prideful, addicted, depressed, anxious, confused, worried, apathetic, fearful, troubled. And there's probably a thousand more categories of people that God just wants to pick up and and lift out. So as you listen to this psalm and as you listen to these thoughts today... Do you need deliverance? Let that question ring in your mind. Maybe we get the wrong idea of what deliverance really is. I think most people today, when they think of deliverance from God, they think it uh, in the context of worldly things. Uh, They want God to deliver them from things like poverty. (laughs) Or or maybe not just poverty. I I just want God to deliver me from my bills. (laughs) Every week, every month. I want, God to, I want God to deliver me from health problems. I just want to be the healthiest person alive. I want God to deliver me from the consequences of the bad choices I've made in life. From my failures. They, they really want God to make their life the way they want it. They, they want to be rich. They want to be loved by everybody. They want to be a specimen of health and happy. And they want all of this all of the time. And anytime any of that's not happening, what are they asking God for? Deliverance. 
Well, I got to tell you, that's the wrong idea. You see, the, the more we invest in prayer, the more we draw into the heart of God, the more He begins to let us see the world the way He sees it. We begin to see situations in spiritual ways, not in worldly ways. We become conformed to the view of God. And in, in, his, in his way of thinking, He just wants you. That's kind of what the guys were talking about earlier. He wants to be your identity. He wants to be everything to you. He wants to free you from the stuff of the world that just keeps throwing your way. Because he knows that when he is your life, when there's a settledness, there's something that washes over us called peace, and the world can try its best shot at us, and there's a refuge. The psalm begins with this phrase, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. So let me ask you this. How many of you bless the Lord at all times? I mean, think of the last time that you got your feelings hurt. Think of the last time you, something didn't work out the right way. Did you say, bless you, Lord? Bless you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I bless the Lord at all times. His, his praise will continually be in my mouth. Verse 2 says, I will boast in the Lord. I'll take no credit. I'll just boast in the Lord. Look what God has done. I haven't done anything. Look what God has done. Verse 3 says, oh, magnify the Lord. In other words, I'll make God big. Because when you make God big, what does that make you? <laughs> the bigger we make God, the more we see the place that we are in His kingdom. That without Him, we're nothing. But with Him, we have all the power of the kingdom of God accessible to us. And so praise is the first, it's the starting point of deliverance. The bigger we make God, the more we praise, the less our prayers become about us. Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you pray to try to get God to do your will? Think about it. How many of you think you know the best outcome for the situation you face, and you're going to try to give God enough evidence to convince Him to do your will in this particular situation? Guilty. There's times where I find myself saying, you know, why am I doing this? I got God's will or my will. Which one is going to obviously be better? I need to pray God's will. I need to ask for God's will. I need to understand how he looks at this situation. God, what is it that you're doing? And it's praise that exalts God in our, in our eyes and so that we can see the reality of what it is that he wants to do. That's my first point. Deliverance begins with praising the deliverer. Deliverance begins with praising the deliverer. And that means at all times. You know, God has taught me throughout my life that, you know, when, let's say I'm down. Let's say I get my little feelings hurt. Anybody here ever get your little feelings hurt? You know? And, and you want to get that little self-pity thing going and kind of draw everybody into your little web here. 
you know, I have found that if I just praise God, things change. If I sit at the piano and I start playing or singing or put something on the, uh, that I can listen to, some music, or I start reading the scriptures of psalms and praise, and I begin to extol the greatness of who He is and how powerful He is and how mighty He is, guess what happens? There's this, this change of attitude. There's this change of outlook. There's this change of vision. Everything begins to change when I praise. And if I don't start there, I'm going to immediately start in to say, God, you need to get those people that hurt me. Or, God, you need to fix this in my soul. Or, God, you... Start with praise. Make Him big. In verse 4, he says this, I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste of the Lord and see that he is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What are some of the things that people look to today to save them and rescue them, deliver them? Well, some people it's money. I just had a little bit more. I mean, if I had enough money to take care of all of my needs, done, rescued. For some people it's friends or relationships. I need my spouse to rescue me. I need my kids to rescue me. I need my friends to rescue me. There's some people that life is beat up so much and they just have kind of given up hope that it's ever going to work out to their liking and so they just kind of say, the only thing that's ever going to rescue me is death. Or the second coming, come Jesus, come today. (laughs) Rescue me. And the passage says, seek the Lord, look to him, fear him, taste him, and he's going to deliver you from fear or terror. He's going to erase shame in your life. He's going to hear you. He's going to save you from your troubles. He says he's going to put his angels in camping around you. When you look to him and live in this awe, this holy fear of who he is. I love that verse 8. Taste of the Lord and see that he is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Obviously, he's talking spiritually here. You know, when you taste something, you you, you want to see what it tastes like. You want to see what it's all about. You know, I got grandkids. It's just my station in life right now. You know what I mean? And how many of us have done this with our kids or our grandkids? Just taste it. Right? I know it's green, but taste it. Just taste it. You've tasted it. You know they're going to like it. You just get one little. You're going to think, oh, man, this is great. And that's the attitude of the psalmist here. He's saying, I know that God is so good. It, you just taste him. Just, just come near to him. Just give him a try. And you know, people today, we've got it all, we've got it all wrong sometimes. When people say, I want, I want God in my life or I want to change my life, what do they, they, they start doing things. They start, oh, I'm going to get my life straightened. I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to get my life straightened. I'm going to start reading the Bible more. I'm going to get my life straightened out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to behave better. I'm going to quit all that sinning. I'm going to quit going to that place and that place and that place, hanging out with those people, hanging out with these. 
In other words, they start arranging their life in order to see if things can get better. Does it say that? Rearrange your life and see that God is good. Is that what it says? It says taste of him and see that he is good. Draw near to him and see that he is good. Let him love you and see that he is good. Because I know if you just get one bite, if you just get one flavor, I, I see people call God all kinds of things today. He's judgmental or he's mean or he's distant or he doesn't care. He's not working things out for me. And they've concocted this whole idea that God's role is to make everything work out here and relieve my pain. And uh, when he doesn't, well, he's to blame and he's just not that good. And those are people who've not tasted of him. It's kind of like this. We live in this slum where there's pain and heartache and we get our feelings hurt and people are mean and friends betray us and steal from us. We lose jobs. We have rebellious kids. We, we kind of struggle day to day to make it all work and we're kind of in the malaise of the culture today. And we envision God as some, this being up there that lives in this posh place called heaven and we just cry out for Him. God, would you just throw a crumb my way every once in a while? Would you make my slum here a little bit better and... We go through life and we, got, we get to thinking that he's not all that concerned about making our slum better. And he's not. He's calling us out of that. He's saying, I want you to live this heaven life that is a fortress, a refuge that builds this barrier that the stuff that's going on all around you is not you. It's powerless because you have been placed in this heaven existence. Come and eat at my table. Taste and see that it is good. And when you do, nothing else really matters. And so we need to take this to heart. But my second point is this. Deliverance is leaving the slum. To consciously say, I'm leaving the idea that God is to come down and make this all better. No. God wants to bring me up out of that so this stuff doesn't get there. This past week, I, I just um, I took a couple of days and I, uh, I just left and I went and sat in a hotel room for a couple of days to just be with the Lord. I, I do this every once in a while, I'll just take a little 48-hour retreat. and You know, I ought to learn, but I always go in with this idea that, uh, you know, I'm going to go and be alone for an extended period of time so that God can reveal things to me. You know, I have situations that I'd like Him to give me some answers for, and uh, I want maybe uh, some new insight into how I ought to preach or maybe the next series. And so I kind of go in with an agenda for God. And, you know, I don't know why I do that, because that never works out. It never has, but I always do it. And I get alone with him, 
and I begin to taste of him fresh and new. And really, that's really all he wants. He just wants to be with me. And he wants me to be present with him so that we can just enjoy one another. You know, I think too many Christians today don't really enjoy God. They don't know what it's like to just enjoy Him, to sit with Him a while, to let Him just be affectionate with you. It's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's a presence, it's a ministry of God's Spirit into our spirit that the rat race and the busyness and the 15-minute devotion on the way out the door can't accomplish. Just can't. There's a verse 10. It says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. He, he, he finds the mightiest creature, not just a lion, a young lion, young and strong, in the prime of his life. Even that lion will get hungry. Even that lion has needs. Even that lion has unmet needs. And he says, everybody's like that, except for the one person who seeks the Lord. The one person who seeks the Lord. And he says, that person shall not want. Reminds me of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, what? Want. (laughs) Oh, we do that, don't we? We don't want. The Lord is my shepherd, and when He is my shepherd, He is my covering, He is my protector, He is my feeder, He is my everything. I look to Him for everything. And He begins to feed my soul. He leads me beside green still waters and green pastures. He puts me in my spiritual walk with Him is so real and so close and so vibrant. I don't want. Verse 18 says this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I think many times this verse gets taken out of context to mean something it doesn't really mean. Does God comfort the broken and the hurting? Yes. He is the God of all comfort. But that's for a different verse, not for this one. <laughs> that's not what this means. The Lord is near to those whose agenda has been broken. The Lord is near to him who has said, I cast all my lot with you. I have no agenda. I'm not trying to get you to do anything. I break before you, contrite, crushed of spirit, contrite in spirit. That means open, submissive, dependent, needy, which is the reality of our condition. And it says when we come to him and we open ourselves to him and say, Lord, I don't I don't have need of anything but you. I want you, you alone. I seek you. Give me your eyes to see the situations of my life. It's kind of like a horse 
a wild horse. And the rancher can't get the bridle on the horse because why? It's flailing about. It's trying to do its own thing. It wants to make its life work the way it wants its life to work. Does that sound familiar? And the bridle can't, he can't get up near to put the bridle on it because the horse is just determined to get his way. And when he breaks, he gives up. The rancher can come in near and slip the bridle on. And the horse is so much happier, actually. <laughs> the responsibility is given over now to the master. There's so much at rest, at peace to be led around by one who knows the way. My last point is this, deliverance only comes to the brokenhearted. If, if you want uh, God to submit to your agenda, you're going to stay bound up. You're going to stay in the midst of the confusion and the fear, whatever it is that's going on in your life. But when you break before him and say, Lord, here I am. You can see where I'm at. You do what you want to do in my life. You take this situation, you do what you want to do in it. And I can guarantee you, he'll come close. His presence and his power and his love, and he'll walk with you. I think it's verse 19 says, The afflictions of the righteous are many. We're never going to be unscathed in this world. But he promises that he will come close and he will walk. Through it with us. You know, as we close the service today, I just want us to pray. I mean, this is a 40 days of prayer. I want us to pray. And I want us to pray for deliverance. You can't meet your own need. You can't save yourself. Can't fix your problems. You need him. And that's not just for you, that's for all of us. That's for this church. Do we as a church admit that we need him? That we can't do anything without him? Without him, we have nothing to offer the hurting of the world and the lost. You know, the church is the Visible manifestation of the life of Christ in the world today. Do you know that? Think about that. The church is the visible manifestation of Christ to the world today. And I don't think we can do that. <laughs> I think he can. We need him. We need him. I want you to bow your heads. And Father, in these closing moments of this service, I am praying that you would open our hearts, open our lives to this reality of need. I pray, Father, for those that are so uh, kind of self-sufficient kind of attitude that I don't need. Father, I pray that you would break through and show them how needy we all are. 
And if you are not at the center of our life, something else will be. And I pray, Father, that you would just deliver. Deliver us. I just want you to remain seated. We're going to sing one verse and a chorus of a song, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit more. Let's sing it. Lord, I come. I confess. Coming here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need 